You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Francois, when I started following cycling seriously, one of the foreign correspondents I became aware of was Jean-Francois Kenny, who wrote a column in Cycle Sport magazine with the French perspective on European racing every month. And it was a great window into a world I really knew nothing about. And Jean-Francois Kenet was a name that, to me, uh, was synonymous with racing on the continent. Um, we're going to hear from him in this episode, and you know him very well. Yeah, I've, I've known Jeff for many, many years. I think the first time I really uh, kind of hooked with... Uh, with Jean-François was in one of my first... Remember when Rolf Sorensen lost the yellow jersey by hitting a curb in a, in a stage? When was that? 1980-something? Maybe 1990-something, I'm not sure. Well, anyways, that day, uh, you know, I was working for Reuters and I, and I needed stuff from Rolf Sorensen, you know, what what happened and quotes and whatever. And this this... this guy working for West France at the time and for, for, for another cycling magazine from in Brussels now, now you know now folded this guy came to me and said well you know I've got quotes from Rolf Sorensen and he gave me lots of information I said wow this guy knows what he's doing and it was Jeff I saw Jeff many times I mean we met many times in our career he was in charge of actually um, at, the, at, at a couple of Olympics I've, I covered um, Jeff was again in charge of the French crowd of journalists, you know, to, to take care of accreditations. It was a case in Sydney, it was a case in Beijing. I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of, a, you know, the, the, the guy looking after us, the crowd of French journalists. You know, it's, it's been a part of my long career as a sports journalist. And you, you travel to the end of the world to cover a, a, a sports event or a cycling event. And the first person you meet is Jeff, you know, he seems to be all over the place, and you never know what is exactly what he's doing for 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 what media is is working, what what exactly he's doing. He's, he's doing so many different things. Like, is he an agent? Not really. Is he a journalist? Yes, he is, but he's more than this. And who is Jeff? What what is he doing? You know, everybody knows him. He does lots of things. Well, I guess maybe in, in this episode of Kilometer Zero, we, we'll find out more or less who, who, who Jean-François Kenny is. He wears many hats, and then Brittany and Brest, where he's from, you sat down with him in the pub where he used to go to as a student, and you spoke to him about his life and his career in journalism and in helping many writers, including lots of Australian writers, come to Europe and forge careers as professional writers. Yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, uh, Jeff has a passion for Australia, a passion, a passion for Asia as well, and uh, he, he used that passion for, and as a passion for the sport, as a passion for sports men, sports people in general, and he used his his uh, contacts, his links, and and the fact that he has you know several houses, he lives part of the time in, in his in Angers, you know, on the in the west of France, part of the time in Kuala Lumpur, and and he he, he uses his contacts, his network, and 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 his passion for the sport, his passion for his his many trades to to yeah to kind of he helped as you said lots of Australian writers making it in Europe he helped some some of the you know first British writers who made an impression in in the 1990s develop find a club in France uh, you know get into it and the, the odd thing about Jeff he, he never he never 
did it did it for money you know it, it's not something he's interested in so, so it's funny because when you see jeff he doesn't he's not very enthusiastic he, he doesn't look like a passionate guy but to 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 have been doing what he's been doing for so long and and just for the sake of it I think that there's a word to sum it up. He's got a real passion for the sport. Still waters run deep. Let's hear now Francois in conversation with Jean-Francois Kenny. My name is Jean-Francois Kenny. I was born in Brest, as you said, uh, a bit of a time ago, uh, not far from here. Um, I decided to become a, a journalist um, at the age of six when I learned uh, reading and writing and I decided that I would be a, a sports journalist. At the time uh, I had uh, two main focus on uh, football and uh, cycling and uh, by the age of uh, 16 I became uh, a sort of a journalist for a regional newspaper West France and uh, around here uh, I was uh, covering uh, football, uh, handball, basketball, cycling. We didn't cover sailing, by the way, <laughs> because uh, sailing was not considered a sport. It was uh, in the marine section of the newspaper. Okay. So uh, how did you become involved in cycling? Were you a cyclist yourself? I tried. I think I learned a lot by uh, cycling myself. But uh, the first thing I learned is that uh, I was not gifted. Uh, but it helped me to, uh, to understand the sport. And um, at the age of uh, 18, uh, when I was uh, trying to be a cyclist, trying to be a journalist and trying to be a student, uh, eventually it happened that I was only able to become a journalist. So for those of you who have not recognized the, the, the voice of, uh, of Jeff, I mean, you, you, you've heard this voice many times before if you're cycling fans because at the finishes uh, of the Vuelta or, or the Giro, there's a man interviewing the riders, you know, just shortly after they won the stage or took the, the, the leader's jersey. And the voice you hear is Jeff's voice. On the tour, it's not the man interviewing the riders uh, on TV at the finish, at, at the finish because he, he organizes the, and moderates and translates the press conference, which he does on the other Grand Tours as well. So uh, how many Grand Tours have you covered? 56. <laughs> More than Adam Hansen. Elements and uh, rode uh, 20 something uh, of them consecutively. Now, uh, you must admire Adamants and much more than uh, me because uh, no, it's uh, much harder to do it on the bike. But yeah, uh, 56 Grand Tours with uh, Tour, Giro, and Vuelta. And uh, I keep uh, working at uh, the three of them every year. So, uh, how did you manage to, to become the, 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 the journalist that the Grand Tours picked as the man who was going to you know, be, in a way, one of the voices of, the, of those Grand Tours? I never asked for a job. Just that I was there, available, uh, someone asked me to do it. And yeah, it happens that uh, yeah, in the past few years I've been uh, doing the, the flash interview at uh, Vuelta, Giro, also a few other races like uh, Tour of Turkey or races in Asia. And uh, it's something I've learned because uh, I, I was not uh, a TV man. Uh, it requires some um, uh, different languages because uh, we never know what uh, the rider will be uh, able to speak. We try to do the international flash interview in English if the rider knows English. 
Otherwise, we interview him in his own language, sometimes with translation, sometimes not. And probably what you heard is Egan Bernal crying in my interview when he won the stage on the Sterato at the Giro d'Italia. He cried because when I asked the question in Spanish, I mentioned the Colombian riders who had taken the pink jersey before him. The trick is, I didn't mention the names of Uran, Quintana, Gaviria and Chavez, but I mentioned their first name, as in Colombia they call people. And when he heard those first names, that put him into tears. You have a special relationship with the riders, and for many reasons, that is, because you've been around for a long time, but also, we mentioned Adam Hansen before, but also because you have a personal, friendly relationship with them, and in a way, you've been the mentor of a lot of the, well, notably, Australian riders who came to Europe. Can you explain what you were doing exactly with these young riders wanting to make a career in France or Europe? I've always had a, a passion for scouting athletes, uh, not only cyclists, but of course in, in cycling it, uh, it became easier for me. Um, I like to approach the riders when uh, they look uh, promising to me. Uh, probably now I have a good relationship with uh, Primoz Roglic because uh, I interviewed him at the Tour d'Alander, his first World Tour race. Uh, he hadn't performed at all yet as a pro, but I knew his uh, story as a ski jumper and uh, I interviewed him on that. Uh, I also have a good relationship with Peter Sagan because um, equally at the Tour d'Alander, uh, I interviewed Peter Sagan after his first pro race, which was the criterium before the Tour d'Alander, where he broke away with uh, Lance Armstrong. When I interviewed him, uh, I've never spoken any Slovakian. He, uh, he didn't know English. He knew just a few words of Italian, so it was quite difficult to uh, communicate. But he was willing to, to talk, and, uh, and he, he managed to, to tell me a few things. And I wrote a piece for Cycling News after his first hour as a pro rider. In the 90s, uh, thanks to my uh, good mate uh, Rupert Guinness, who is a, a dear colleague of, of us in the press room for many years, uh, I went to visit him and, um, and I got a chance to catch up with Bradley McGee, who was a junior rider at the time. Because Australia was uh, so far away from uh, European cycling, uh, those guys had uh, no connection at all. There were almost no coaches for road racing in Australia because Australia had a, a culture of uh, track cycling only. I became uh, the go-between for Australian cyclists who uh, wanted to come to Europe. I wasn't the only one, but uh, I've helped a few. Uh, some of them uh, would have uh, performed uh, without my help, like uh, Brad McGee or Baden Cook. Uh, but someone like uh, Simon Gerrans, who uh, took up cycling a bit uh, too late, um, was not very well known. Uh, he was nowhere. He was, uh, he was not in, uh, in the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport. I took him at home. Uh, I gave him... Um, the key for the spare car uh, I gave him a credit card and uh, I put him in a Norwegian continental team first and then in a 
French amateur club and eventually to AG2R and uh, he ended up uh, being one of the very few uh, Australian riders to have won the stage in every Grand Tour, to have had the yellow jersey at the Tour de France, the pink jersey at the Tour of Italy, the first Australian rider to uh, win uh, Liège-Bastogne-Liège and uh, he also won uh, Milan-San Remo. So that was a big achievement coming from uh, very far away. Now, Australians don't need me. <laughs> that's right. But, but at the time, that, that, that's amazing. You, you are not even their agent or anything. And you, you, and you would not, I, I, I know you well, and you, you are not doing it for the money. I didn't make uh, any money at all. <laughs> I spent some for getting them to, uh, to, to the pro ranks. No, it was a, it, it was passion. Uh, it's still a passion of mine to, uh, to scout riders uh, wherever I am. Uh, I could tell you a lot about uh, Liu Jianqing. Do you know Liu Jianqing? No. <laughs> well, fr from the name, I guess he's Chinese. He's, uh, he's, uh, he was the best uh, young mountain biker from China. And uh, he's going to represent China in uh, road racing at the Olympics uh, this year. Uh, everywhere I go, uh, I like uh, to try and find out uh, which uh, cyclist has the potential to perform. Uh, also in France, I, uh, I myself organize races for U17 riders. It's called the, the Madio Trophy. And we do that with uh, Marc and Yvon Madio from uh, Groupama FDJ team. Uh, we have a, a series of racing and uh, that's where we first uh, discovered Arnaud Desmar, who is now the star rider for the Tour de France. Yeah, so we'll go back to your passion for a Asia later because you, 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 you spend half of your life in Asia. Uh, I think you live in Kuala Lumpur. You have a place there and, and half of the, your life, well, traveling the world with cycling. But you have a, that place in France, in the west of France, where you, uh, yeah, where, which you turn into the home of uh, Simon Gerrans and others. Uh, there, 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 there are another few uh, riders you, uh, you discovered at a young age, and uh, namely Bradley Wiggins and Chris Froome among them. Yes, I was fortunate enough to uh, meet Chris Froome at a uh, mass participation race uh, in uh, South Africa uh, back in 2005. And, uh, and then I, I saw him winning uh, the Mio de Breton around here in uh, 2007 when he was a member of the World uh, Cycling Center of the UCI. And uh, then the year after, he came to Brest for starting his first Tour de France. Uh, he just turned from uh, Kenyan to, uh, to Britain. Uh, so, yeah, I have not scouted Chris Froome, but uh, I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, to meet him. I didn't scout uh, Bradley Wiggins, but um, I ended up uh, translating verbally uh, his uh, first uh, pro contract with FDJ going to Belgium with Marc Madiot where Bradley was uh, going to race the world championship in uh, 2001 uh, another rider that uh, I can say I scouted and, uh, and I linked to, uh, to FDJ uh, was not an English speaking rider but it was uh, Philippe Gilbert who I found uh, in a semi-pro race Uh, near Paris, the Tour de Seine-et-Marne. I was uh, a substitute uh, sports director for my uh, local club in Nantes. And um, I overtook the peloton because uh, one of my riders, who was Yuri uh, uh, Christoph from the Ukraine, he was in the breakaway and uh, 
passing the peloton, I just saw uh, a magic pedaling style. And uh, being a journalist, I took note of the number. And then reading the start list, I saw this was uh, from a Belgian team, uh, purely Flemish, uh, directed by Dirk de Wolf. And his name was uh, French. So the next morning, I asked him if he was a Walloon. And he was. And, uh, and there I met uh, someone who was uh, a very friendly guy. So then uh, I caught up with him again at the World Championship. And the year after, on the start line of uh, U23 race, I introduced him to uh, Marc Madiou. And uh, that's uh, how he started his pro career. And again, I was not an agent. Uh, we have uh, remained good friends since. And he has done his career without my help. You are listening to Kilometer Zero by The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. I'm Sam Brand and I'm a professional cyclist with Team Nova Nordisk, uh, the world's first all-diabetes professional cycling team. And what I would tell myself if I could have a conversation with my 10-year-old self is this diagnosis was the best thing that's ever happened to me and I give a lot of talks and a lot of parents ask how is that possible and the thing is it gave me a structure it gave me a routine it empowered me to put in place a routine okay it's not easy but at 10 years old I had the routine I had to wake up and then check my bloods check my body you know I'm kind of in a routine where people don't get that until later on in life and some people don't fully grasp that routine and, and for me it gave me a routine it gave me a mission it gave me a family and a community and I can't ask for anything more than that it's given me a mission and that's to help everybody around the world affected by diabetes and to this day it's honestly the best thing that's ever happened to me. Another part of your career and of your life uh, it was not scout, scouting uh, riders, but, but in a way almost scouting races. I mean, you like to discover new races, new territory. You've been all over the world the, like, well, launching races sometimes or discovering races and trying to make them popular. Uh, what, what exactly are you doing? Kind of, uh, what made you turn you into a cycling globetrotter? Australia. In Australia, I realized in the 90s that uh, track cycling was strong, but uh, there was no road racing. So when the Tour Down Under was uh, created, uh, I, I realized there was um, a lot to do there. Also by coincidence, because I was always invited to uh, the Tour de Langkawi, which was the, the first uh, big international race uh, in Asia. Then the Malaysians asked me to uh, help them Uh, organized Le Tour de Langkawi, attracting, attracting uh, teams and uh, media because uh, that's linked. Um, if uh, teams from, come from uh, this part of the world, media from the, the same part of the world will be interested in uh, covering the race. I've become passionate for Asia because uh, this is the part of the world that has the biggest potential for cycling to grow. Um, and probably more in terms of uh, race organization than uh, cyclists. Um, it's still a, a long way away until uh, we'll have uh, Asians competing at the Tour de France. There have been a few, 
one Chinese, two Japanese. <laughs> Because there's also track, uh, a strong track tradition in, in Asia and, and very good track riders. So how come they don't make the transition to the road that much? The culture of uh, road, road racing uh, is not very big. Uh, they have a big lack of um, coaching. They have very small uh, national federations. Uh, on the track, uh, they have uh, the potential to uh, reach um, the world scale. The Chinese have uh, studied in uh, many sports uh, how to uh, transform their money into uh, Olympic medals. Uh, they are prepared to uh, spend a lot for coaches or technologies uh, to bring uh, athletes uh, to the highest level. Um, when they came to uh, track cycling, they realized that they had the potential to uh, deliver medals. Um, but uh, when they studied uh, how long it would take uh, to have uh, an Olympic medal in road racing, the probability was always uh, zero. It was zero in four years' time, zero in eight years' time, uh, probably zero in 12 years' time. So they prefer to uh, invest money in uh, organizing races because they also realized, like we do in Europe, uh, how uh, bike races can uh, showcase uh, their uh, provinces. They are also very proud of uh, their territories. But uh, it will take time Uh, before their riders uh, reach the level that uh, we have in uh, Europe or US or Australia. Going back to your scout, scouting days, I'm, I'm not saying that you're not scouting anymore, I'm sure you are. Uh, well, you, and you mentioned the Chinese rider before uh, as a potential uh, you know, road racing performer. Uh. The rider I mentioned is Liu Zhangjing. Uh, Liu Zhangjing... Uh, was uh, the best uh, promising rider for mountain biking in Asia. And uh, when he uh, discovered um, road racing, he ended up being uh, an excellent climber. And uh, yeah, Liu Jianjing will uh, represent uh, China at um, the Olympic Games uh, for road racing this year. While uh, Their rider for mountain biking is another interesting one. He's mostly Kazakh, but uh, his name is uh, Nazar Bikebiken. And he tried to uh, become a road rider with um, the Mitchelton team. That was uh, a Chinese feeder team for uh, the team that is now uh, Team Bike Exchange. Uh, they have kind of uh, failed with uh, developing uh, Chinese riders for different reasons. Uh, yeah, it will take a long time when uh, we get uh, Chinese to come very young to Europe and... Uh, and win a grand tour. And win a grand tour. So once again, back to your scouting days and, 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 and your days in, in Brittany. That, that there's a young rider you took to Brittany or who came to see you, to visit you in Brittany and that you kind of introduced to a cycling in Europe and France. And his name is Kyle Buen. Can you tell us about uh, the, that experience? I got a phone call uh, 10 years ago from uh, Brad McGee 
saying, uh, I have a young lad here, he's uh, super talented, but he knows uh, absolutely nothing about uh, what the real cycling is about. The real cycling is, is in Europe. So Brad said, uh, please uh, get him to, uh, to see what it's like. So I took him to a few uh, local races and he won one uh, in this province here, Finisterre, uh, where we are now in Brest, uh, in a village called uh, Arzano but it's actually closer to the start of stage three of this Tour de France. Uh, when you look at the pictures of uh, him winning in Arzano, uh, there are a lot of spectators behind him. That was the big shock for him. Uh, crowd, even for local races, and uh, people already had his picture f to get his autograph. And uh, that's uh, how he understood the, the passion there is uh, over here for cycling. And uh, it uh, gave him the, the desire to go further. Uh, the last uh, thing I did for him on his first trip to Europe was uh, to take him to the launch of the 2012 Tour de France uh, in October 2011. Uh, I took him to Paris. He's his first impression of the outskirts of Paris was that was ugly. And I said, yeah, wait a bit. Uh, let's go to the Champs-Élysées. <laughs> and I stopped uh, where the finish line of the Tour de France is. And I said, look, this is here. And he said, yes, I'll win here one day. And he did. On his first Tour de France, uh, he won the conclusive stage on the Champs-Élysées. You've been listening to an episode of Kilometre Zero by the Cycling Podcast. Francois Tomaso in conversation with Jean-Francois Kenny, supported by Super Sapiens. Thank you very much to them. And thank you to Hugh Owen for producing this episode. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.